Hi folks, I'm Lindsay Ray, otherwise known as UK Bidwriter. SMEs need to approach tendering for public or private sector commercial contracts in a different way to larger organisations. To really stand out from the competition and show off what makes your business the best choice for that contract, you need a specialist in SME tendering. In each episode of the UK Bidwriter podcast, I'll give you practical and effective tried and tested information and advice on bid writing and bid management to help you win more tenders. Today I'm going to talk about the various different types of response processes you're going to encounter out there in the wild world of procurement. Hang on to your hats people, there's going to be more TLAs than a Heathrow flight plan. Right, I've tried to make this one as short as possible because while it's useful information to have, I've just had an emergency wisdom tooth extraction. So as well as being ibuprofen up to the eyeballs, I am not inclined to bang on too much at the moment, which I'm sure you will be delighted to hear. So in a bit, I'll get on to the different types of online supplier portals. But first, I want to explain just some of the most common names and associated acronyms that are used to define the multitude of different tender process types and documents. A quick note, some of these tender types are being used less and less, but for the moment you'll still come across them. And because they've been around so long, some names are used interchangeably or as a bit of a catch-all when actually they do have specific meanings. Uh, It's a bit like when we say Hoover when we mean vacuum cleaner. Also sometimes some contracting authorities like to do all of the same things but not necessarily in the same order. So if I say that this comes before that, please see that as a loose generalisation because it's not always the case. Keeps me in a job though, so I'm not complaining. Okay, first up, bid or tender. This is one of those interchangeable ones. Essentially, as an action, you bid for a tender, but you can call a tender a bid. Now, I wasn't going to call myself UK tender writer all over the internet because no amount of clever SEO was going to make that sound um, you know, pre-watershed. Uh, so bid or tender, in this specific context, it's a fairly meaningless distinction. And there are a few differences between how private sector and public sector processes function, although there are some areas where the two cross over. And hopefully all this will become clearer as I go along. Let's start by looking at requests for. Okay, an RFI is a request for information. An RFP is a request for a proposal. And an RFQ is a request for a quote. An RFI, request for information, might be made well before anything is put out to tender at all. Essentially, this is often a scoping exercise to find out what suppliers there are out there for a particular project, service or supply of goods, and what the range of those services or or goods currently are. It's used to help contracting authorities understand what's reasonable for them to require as part of an upcoming tender. And among other things, it helps them define the contract specification. However, it's absolutely not the case that if you help a contracting organisation define their spec, you'll be a shoe-in to win the contract. I've had quite a few clients get really excited when they've helped out in this way and then be really disappointed when the tender comes out and it becomes clear that they're not going to walk it as easily as they assumed. But it doesn't hurt to be part of the process, it'll certainly give you an idea of what the contract's going to be about and that's always useful information. RFP and RFQ are often used interchangeably these days, although technically a proposal isn't generally binding whereas a quote could be. Both of these can be fairly simple and straightforward or they can be quite complex and detailed. 
RFPs or RFQs are generally sent directly by the contracting organisation to specific suppliers and in my experience are often used when there's not really a formal requirement to undertake a full and therefore legally complex tendering process. Because of the various restrictions on publicly funded organisations, RFPs and RFQs are somewhat more likely to be put out by commercial organisations. In public sector procurement, however, you'll most often come across the following types of tender document. PIN, P-I-N, contract notice, an E-O-I, an S-Q, a P-Q-Q and an I-T-T. Again, let's start with the pre-tender elements. P-I-N or PIN is a prior indication notice. And this is a relatively vague heads up that the contracting authority is thinking about planning to maybe tender for a particular product or service at some point in the nearish future. PINs are comparatively rare, they aren't mandatory for all tenders and they're often used just to gather intelligence about who might be interested in tendering and how those interested parties might be able to help shape the final format of the tender itself. PINs are often issued before the work of developing the contract specification and the contract terms is done and might include details of market intelligent events to find out what products and services are available that may fit a particular objective, including the RFI or Request for Information that I mentioned a couple of minutes ago. PINs may not lead to anything in the future, they're more often part of a wider viability scoping exercise either for pretty big and complex projects or, conversely, smaller projects involving new technology or other innovation. Next is the contract notice. Well, you can think of a contract notice as a trailer for the actual tender. It gives you a certain amount of useful detail which you will need to know to decide whether to request the full documentation, but it's by no means comprehensive and you can't generally respond to it. Contract notices will tell you who the contract is for, how much it's worth, what the general scope of the work is and when it needs to be submitted by, and most importantly, the correct and required method for accessing the full tender documentation. So the contract notice is issued when the tender is published to let you know that the tender process itself is now live and the clock is ticking. But that's all it does. If you find a contract notice of interest to you, you should request the full tender documentation right away. Depending on the type and size of contracting organisation, requesting the full tender documents might require you to sign up with a particular supplier portal. I'll get into those in a little bit, so do try to stay awake until then, because that's obviously going to be thrilling. Once you've read the full documents, you might be asked to submit an EOI, which is an expression of interest. This is just a very basic communication between you and the contracting organisation to let them know that you're chucking your hat in the ring for a specific tender. If you've had to sign up through a supplier portal, you probably just need to tick an opt-in box. But if it's all being done by email, then you might need to send a formal email stating your intention to participate. Alright, let's move on to the response stage. Here we've got the SQ, the PQQ and the ITT. The SQ is a selection questionnaire, sometimes also known as an SSQ, a standard selection questionnaire. This is essentially a cookie cutter template for you to provide standard or general information about your company. And the next episode of this podcast, ingeniously called The Anatomy of an SQ, will go into excruciating detail on what you'll be expected to provide in this document, so keep your ears open for that one. A PQQ is a pre-qualification questionnaire, and I actually do talk a little bit about the history of the PQQ in that next episode too, so I mean, even more reason to get excited there. Uh, The PQQ is a funny one because it was initially pretty similar to what the SQ does now, which is to essentially allow the contracting organisation to shortlist the number of companies they will invite to tender with the aim of speeding up the assessment process. 
but it was kind of hijacked over time and where it is still used it's become a bit of a beast on its own. Some PQQs these days ask for almost as much information as you would expect to give in the actual ITT. And because of this, many industries with PQQs are now being phased out as they put a significant burden on small businesses in particular. And finally, the ITT. ITT stands for Invitation to Tender, and this is the big one, the final boss in the game. As well as asking you for your costs to deliver the contract, this document will ask you for very specific and usually pretty detailed information on how you are going to deliver it. These questions are usually scored and weighted and will compare you directly against your competitors assessing who will do the job better. And for more information on how that works, uh, listen to episode 3 of this season called What Do Points Make? And in a couple of episodes time I'm going to get into how to understand and respond to quality questions like these so do subscribe on your preferred podcast platform so you don't miss out on that one either. OMG, that's the acronyms out of the way then. Let's just talk very briefly about supplier portals. While there are still some tender processes being managed directly by the contracting organisation via email or swaggering in with a retro vibe by post even, many public sector tenders now go through online supplier portals. And there are so many different types of supplier portal that I'm not going to list each one individually, so here's a very quick rundown of what's currently out there. The first thing to understand is that, as much as we would like to kid ourselves otherwise, supplier portals are there to make life easier for the contracting organisations, not for us bidders. Bear this in mind when you're crying into your keyboard at midnight the night before a deadline because you press the back button on your browser and now you can't find the tender you've been responding to for the last three and a half weeks. There are actually quite a few tender portal operating companies. Some names you might come across are Due North, ProContract, ProLogic, Intend, Host and a whole bunch more. Smaller contracting organisations will tend to just direct you straight to whichever portal host they've decided to use, but many larger organisations have white label agreements with these same companies, so you are directed to what on the surface looks like a standalone website where you submit your bid, but actually it's hosted and managed by a tender portal company behind the scenes. Uh, Contracting organisations can to varying degrees choose how much or how little of the management and hosting of their tender process they want these portal companies to undertake on their behalf. And I mean, this is obviously great for the contracting organisation. It can serve as basic data processing system while they continue to take a hands-on approach to the tender process itself. Or they can outsource pretty much all of it and only get involved at the most crucial moments. Frustratingly for us, though, it means you can never quite be sure what the next tender is going to ask from you in terms of how you need to present and submit your response. Maybe on one, you'll input a handful of details online, then upload individual response documents for each question, but on another, you'll need to input strictly character-limited answers against each question directly on the portal. Like they say in that film, life is like a supplier portal. You never know what you're going to get. So when you find one, just take a deep breath, rummage through the whole thing while you have a cup of tea and a biscuit, and just get a sense of what it's asking for, and then proceed accordingly. And if you get really stuck, give me a ring. So that's all for today. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the UK Bidwriter podcast. Make sure to visit my website at ukbidwriter.com where you can subscribe to the show so you'll never miss a trick. And if you enjoyed this episode, it'd be great if you could give it a rating on iTunes or your preferred podcast platform, or just tell a friend or a colleague and spread the word. Don't forget, you can also contact me directly to talk about what your business needs most to win more contracts by emailing me at lindsay at ukbidwriter.com or to find me on the usual social channels, just search for UK Bid Writer. 
you've been listening to Lindsay Wright, otherwise known as UK Bidwriter, offering specialist expertise for UK SMEs. See you next time. Thank you.